0: the way it love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsor this week, Third Love. They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games in their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who is the choice of a new generation, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian.
1: Hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. Happy new console, current gen. Welcome to current gen, everybody. And please stay home and wear a mask. Hello. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, we got, uh, we, we got more of that in the world that we need to deal with. Be safe. Be safe. I know we're heading into holidays, but please, please be safe. We're... Too many things to be worried about. But my goodness, you're right. We are in a new generation, uh, officially, of consoles. And I'm so excited about it. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, DLC stands for debuting the latest consoles. Because we're going to be wall-to-wall talking about the Xbox Series S and X and the PlayStation 5. And we have... I would argue, the very best possible guest we could have for this episode. Uh, The first person I thought of, and thankfully she was ready, willing, and able, our friend, you know her from What's Good Games, Ms. Andrea Renee is back with
1: us. Hey,
2: Andrea. Hello, gentlemen. OMG, was that an intro for the ages? I love the energy that you're bringing, Mr. Kanata. I think it really encapsulates just how excited the gaming community is this week in the wake of these two slash three amazing consoles.
0: Yeah, yeah, right? It's 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 something to genuinely be excited about. We've got lots of things to keep us indoors. And look, there's cool things to be indoors with. I know, I'm sure there's lots of you listening that are like, hey, I'd love to be that excited. If only I could get my hands on one of these consoles because uh, scarcity is still an issue and people are still having a hard time you know, logging onto websites that say they have them and then they're all gobbled up by scalpers and things. And that's a bummer. But it sounds like from all indications, there has been uh, a huge number of these things that have hit the hit the retail channel and, and a lot of people have them in their hands. And we're going to talk in depth about all of these, uh, all the consoles. Uh, we have both consoles. I, Andrea actually has all three, I think, right? Isn't that right?
2: That is correct.
0: Yeah, so we're going to set aside the normal format of the show. You know, we start with story of the week usually, but there's only one story this week, and it's the fact that the consoles have both dropped two days apart. And so we're going to start talking about the consoles as consoles, and then we'll get into the specific games. I mean, if there was ever a week for this... It is this week. I mean, it is. It, there are too many games, but we're going to do our best to talk through as many of them as we possibly can. So many huge titles uh, releasing. Uh, we've been playing as many of them as, as I could fit into my thumbs and eyeballs. Um, and, uh, and we're going to have a great time stepping through these consoles. So let's get things started by saying, uh, first, the first console to launch on Tuesday of this last week was the Xbox Series X and S? So I should just we'll just start in chronological order, and um, I I have lots of thoughts about the Xbox Series X, but I'm actually very curious, Andrea, about the Xbox Series S because I saw on your Instagram and Twitter that you have one of those, the smaller, less expensive consoles, and you were uh, really, I think, from what I read, taken by the form factor, if nothing else, right?
2: I love that little thing. So Xbox was kind enough to send What's Good Games an Xbox Series X. So I purchased for myself an Xbox Series S because I knew that I was going to need one in our What's Good Games studio, but I also wanted one in the living room where I'm going to play it most of the time. And so I was like, well, I don't really need 4K because streaming in 4K still just isn't really a thing that's available on Twitch, Rip Mixer. They really were doing high-end resolution streaming the best out of anybody. I know that Caffeine actually does some pretty good um, high-end resolution streaming as well. But I was like, Mm -hmm. you know what? The Xbox Series S is going to work for me in the studio because I don't need really more than 1440p. And I love the form factor. It's so small. <laughs> and I love that compared to the PS5, which is just a monster <laughs> yeah. for the console, which I know we'll get to in just a little bit. But the value proposition that Microsoft is bringing with Xbox Game Pass, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, and for those who are interested, Xbox you know, Game Cloud, well, xCloud, whatever they're going to finalize that name to be. Um, I think that it's a really great opportunity for people to get in. And obviously we saw, you know, the news that we're going to talk about in just a second here, that Microsoft announced it's their biggest console launch ever. And a yeah. lot of that is to do because of the Xbox Series S.
0: I agree. I think having that low price point was really smart. I mean, I, obviously we've seen Nintendo reap the benefits of having a low pri- price point for new hardware uh, for generations now. And it, it I feel like the... Sony and Microsoft finally got around to realizing, oh, yeah, if, you know, if we don't charge through the nose for these things, people will buy more of them. Um, but w- tell me a little bit about your experience using the, the S. Are you noticing, um, uh, does it feel like a generational upgrade from your Xbox One?
2: It's interesting that you bring that up because that was one of my critiques of the new consoles is that they didn't feel like a gigantic leap forward from the Xbox One X specifically. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that most consumers are probably changing generations between their original Xbox One or potentially they have like the Xbox One S, but there's probably not as many people doing what I did going from the one X to the series X and the series S. Now the load times of course are definitely faster, but I think Microsoft, I don't know how I really feel about the fact that they did not change the UI. Like they launched this new UI on the old generation and they kept it the same. I know that there's a big portion of the gamers out there that are like, thank goodness. I don't want to have to relearn something, but I just I think it kind of takes a little bit of that shiny sparkly new console feel away from it, and overall, I just didn't think that outside of the loading times that there was anything dramatically new, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there wasn't a first party exclusive game like now, if they have launched with Halo Infinite and Halo Infinite was running at you know sixty frames per second, fourteen forty p on the xbox series s different story,
0: mhm, yeah. Yeah I I agree with you I'm one of those people that you know Apple always releases their their update to the to iOS uh you know a few days before the new phones and when I get a new phone I never upgrade the OS on my old phone because I just want the new phone to feel as new as possible and I'm like I don't want all those new features of the OS on my old phone. I want my new phone to feel like, Ooh, I can do this new stuff now, even if I didn't actually need the new phone for the new stuff. (laughs) And I kind of, I definitely relate to that with the, the Xbox. And, and it's honestly my, my sort of meta comment on the, on the whole process of this last week is that I think it's kind of a bummer that these two huge things happen within two days of each other, just as a fan of the industry and a fan of video games, because I can't help but compare them to each other. Like it, it's just setting up that comparison of these two big new hardware cycles starting. And I feel like if we had, you know, uh, six months or a year or even a couple of months between the releases of these consoles, it wouldn't feel quite so A, B comparison. It would. You, I'd really be able to sort of sit in the joy of one specific new console for a little bit longer. But ultimately... Yeah, I think that the experience of being on PlayStation 5, especially with the new c- controller which we'll talk about and the new OS and all, how it feels more new and more different than the Xbox Series experience has been. Um,
1: I think part of that and you know, we're maybe jump, hopefully I'm not jumping as ahead, but like I think part of that is a testament to the excellent work that Microsoft has done and their philosophy of we don't care where you play mm-hmm. here is this incredible we we've, we've honed in i mean the Xbox One has had some bad UI and like it's a it's a good UI you know like it's in a good place and the fact that it's the same across consoles you're playing on Xbox like that's what they want here you are you're playing and i how i've tried to wrap my head around or contextualize the series S and X is it's like getting New RAM, new CPU and GPU for your computer, and that's very exciting. And I don't expect Steam to look different. <laughs> you, like right. oh wow, no, it's- that's
2: that's fair. And I think. What One of the things that Microsoft really pushed when the Xbox One X launched was that they likened the new lifecycle for Xbox products to the way that other consumer electronics are. It was something mm-hmm. that you know, I had the ability to interview some people on the hardware team about. And they said, you know, look at the way that consumers are looking at other types of electronics, televisions, cell phones. They're used to getting incremental upgrades. And that's the type of consumer that we really want to start catering to. Are these people that are willing to pay to get more power, but they don't need to wait like four or five years between each life cycle of the device that they have? Now, those consumers that do want to wait are obviously always going to be there, but they're not going to be as left behind as they were in previous generations.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, and I like that. I mean, it's a similar like Jeff's point about his phone. I'm I'm not the person that gets the new phone every year, and I like that I get an update to my os and at some point uh you know i've, I've definitely been there where it's like oh my device no longer supports the new os time to get a new device but i, I like that other things get brought along and that sometimes things become long in the tooth and you need to go oh okay well this experience isn't going to be as good on this device versus that i guess i should look into upgrading um but i think it's really interesting and fascinating to see how people respond i do 100 percent agree with you though andrea that and even if it was still on Xbox one, but had halo launched, I think this Xbox launch would have just felt different. Cause kind of like for me, Miles Morales, I know it's on PS4, but not in my head. It's not, it's a PS five launch game. Right. I mean, have you tried it on both
2: titles or excuse me, on both consoles? It's definitely different.
1: (laughs) No, it's a PS five launch game. Andrea, I don't care what you say. It doesn't. I mean,
2: here's what I'll say. Christine Steimer, uh, my co-host at what's good games. Who's also been on your guys' show. Um, started playing Miles Morales on PS4 because we only got one PS5 between the three of us pre-launch to do coverage. As soon as she started playing, she was about five hours or so in when she said, I'm done playing on ps4 because she came to my house and played a few minutes on the ps5 and she's like i'm done playing on ps4 i'm waiting until my ps5 gets her that's how different the g- experience was for her with miles morales i think hey well, i have- could have
1: been that i think hey like 120 frames per second multiplayer you know and again get the game out make it right but i think to me that's what xbox is missing is that punch in your face this is what we're all about
0: Well, I have a a funny story. I was going to wait until later to say this, but it seems like the right time to to tell my funny Miles Morales story. Uh, And that is, Christian knows this because I was on the phone with him trying to figure (laughs) it out. And, And again, this is, you know, first word problems like a reviewer who gets codes for games. I'm not complaining, but I will step you through this funny situation that happened, which is that I also, I got a code for the PlayStation 4 version of Miles Morales from Sony and was playing it, as people know, I talked about it last week, uh, was playing it before I had a PlayStation 5 on my PlayStation 4. And I think the game looks fantastic on PlayStation 4. I, I really don't think anybody that's not able to get a PlayStation 5 console has any reason not to play Miles Morales. Like, it, it's still going to be a phenomenal experience. The frame rate is solid. The game looks great. It plays great. It's, it's great on PlayStation 4. But then, you know, I was very excited to see the the upgrades on the PlayStation five version. And I installed my PlayStation five and there's this whole process when you turn it on to, you know, take stuff from your PlayStation four and transfer it over save games and stuff. And it's a long, it takes a long time, but if you're on the same network and you have both consoles turned on at the same time, it'll like transfer stuff over. And I was able to just transfer over my copy of miles Morales. And after those several hours of waiting for that whole thing to complete, I jumped into Miles Morales on PlayStation five and went, this doesn't look any different. (laughs) And I don't understand why. And I was like this. I mean, yeah, the load times are a little faster, I guess, but like, I don't, Really get why people are excited about. I mean, this looks like the same game, and I, I literally I played it for several hours and was just looking at stuff, looking for reflections and things, and I was like, maybe there's a mode that I have to turn on the ray tracing, and looked in the options and couldn't find anything, and I finally uh, texted Christian like, Hey, man, um I don't see any difference between the PlayStation 4 version and PlayStation 5, and Christian's like, Well, I didn't play the PlayStation 4, but. It looks amazing. The ray tracing is incredible. I'm like,
2: are you sure? Because it doesn't look like it to you me. You were playing the PS4 version, right? Yes. That was, that's the story. <laughs> the story is
0: there are two versions and you're, you're, you literally have to have the, 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 the main takeaway from this is how much I appreciate what Microsoft is doing with the, um, smart delivery uh, smart delivery oh my gosh because then this was anything but smart right this was delivery that was so dumb it didn't tell me to upgrade that i had to do an extra step to upgrade it didn't like sense that it was on the playstation 5 and go hey by the way there's a version of this that you're not playing that you could be playing especially because they're giving the upgrade free to people that have the playstation 4 version but I mean, we were in the menu and Christian was like, did you try performance mode or, uh, fide- fidelity. or uh, yeah, yeah. fidelity mode? And I was like, "That I don't even have that option in my menu. I don't understand why. But yeah, the PlayStation 4 version doesn't have that option. So- it, it was a com- comedy of errors for you're several not alone, hours. Though.
2: It was a story that came out over the weekend that lots of people, Jeff, were doing the exact same thing. And I think that's what's... I mean, and I don't want to get too far down the, the PS5 rabbit hole. I can right, I can right. save my my co- comments about what happened with PSN until then, but you're right. not alone.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and ultimately, I think it reflects really well on the, the strategy that Christian was talking about with Microsoft, where they're kind of working on a, a, a different path you know it's it's not so much about forcing you to get the new hardware to get the new games and yeah you know sony's doing some of that too because there are those two versions but like this uh, gamer forward kind of stance that microsoft is taking where everything works and it's all smart it all handles it automatically for you if you have the better box it'll do the better thing you know it's I really appreciated that on a level that I hadn't before because of that experience. And I also had the experience of turning on my new shiny Xbox Series X and going to my game library. And it was like, here's your game library. And it was like hundreds of games from three or four generations of Xbox. You know, it was like, oh, these are just all immediately accessible to me because I once owned them on a previous Xbox. It's like how it should always have been. And in fact, the first game I played on my Xbox Series X was Geometry Wars because oh, I wanted wow. to see, Yeah. It was, I, it was a fast download and I wanted to see how the like HDR upgrade, the, the, the algorithm they use to add HDR to games looks on old games. And it looked pretty cool. So it is a, it is kind of apples and oranges to compare these boxes because yeah, there wasn't that big first party exclusive on my Xbox, but I also had like, you know, uh, hundreds of game. I had my Game Pass games all ready to be downloaded, but I also had like all these old games that I played on my 360 and my Xbox One that are just sitting there as games ready for me to play now. It's pretty cool. So very cool. Yeah. So, um, so Christian, what what was your experience uh, with Xbox Series X? Because I know you said for a long time you weren't going to get one, and then you got one, right?
1: No, my experience with Xbox Series X is reading about everybody's experience with Xbox Series X. My experience was I really appreciate Microsoft's philosophy, and I am a Game Pass Ultimate subscriber, and I have. Oh, a you didn't get AD, one? I thought you got I, one. In, after all, no, I did not get one. I decided oh. to to hang out and know that I'm not going to miss out on any of their exclusives. Um, I can play destiny beyond light on my android when i'm not at my pc to via um XCloud and grind and do things there that i might not want to do main story missions later and because of that ecosystem and cross progression which is not necessarily microsoft's thing but no i am sitting out i do not have a compelling reason to get that piece of hardware and i love that microsoft is okay with that i think like i'm End of their monthly sub. I'm downloading the new games. I'm enjoying Game Pass as much as I ever have. I wish that the EA stuff came to PC as the same time that it did to console. Like there's like a little bit of delay and lag in what games you get on PC. But I know that any of their first party games, I'm going to get day and date. And that's awesome. Like I love it. So Andrew,
0: you and I will talk about the Series X then because and S and because um, I... There are a number of things that I really, really love about it. it. They did not oversell the time it takes between turning on the console and playing a game. I mean, it is single-digit se- seconds. It's like two or three seconds to, between literally picking up the console, or excuse me, picking up the controller and pushing the little X button to literally starting to move in a game that I had um quick resume feature on, you know? And that that's pretty impressive. No longer are we waiting for anything to boot up. It's just instantly on. And that's that was the first thing that really made me go, yeah, we're in a new generation.
2: Yeah, I think that the onboarding process, the export setup, export Xbox, excuse me, setup was really simple to do. I did it through the Xbox app on my phone since I already yeah. had the app installed. Took like a minute, maybe two minutes to jump right into the dashboard. And like you said, get to your library and start playing things. I don't blame Christian for making the decision that he did. I think a lot of consumers feel the same way. You know, People have come to us, like I'm sure they've also come to you two to ask, which console should I get this holiday? If I can only afford one or if I'm only going to ask for one as a gift from somebody, what's the one? And I just couldn't have a compelling reason to recommend people to get, you know, the series X or S over the PS five, if they were only going to buy one console this season. I mean, honestly, if you don't have a switch, that might be the one you want to actually look at. Um, well, that's, that's a conversation funny. for another time. Um, but I think well, that, what's- I think that,
0: I think the the only, my only caveat to that, cause I, I kind of agree. My caveats would be if you have a gaming PC, the, the Xbox, is kind of redundant, but if you don't have a gaming PC and you are into the idea of game pass, then I think, I don't know. I, as much as I love the Sony exclusives, the idea of 10 bucks a month, getting you what it gets you on Xbox. If you're, you know, price conscious and you want to get this, the series S and game pass, I have a hard time, telling people that's not the way to go because I mean, if you're really price conscious and you're really like, I only need one thing and I want to get the most bang for my buck. That's a pretty big bang for your buck.
2: That's a very good point as well. I think that, People who don't own a PC are looking for simplicity in their gaming experience. It's the reason I'm primarily a console gamer, even though I've played more on my Steam account in 2020 than I ever have, probably collectively my entire life. (laughs) So um, so I've definitely been playing a lot more on my PC than I ever have before. But there's, there's just something about hitting the power button on the controller, having it it turn on, having it power the television on, and having to do nothing. I don't have to install yeah. anything. I don't have to worry about my audio routing. I don't have to do anything. And yeah. I think that that experience is clearly resonating with consumers as well, particularly at the price point of the Xbox Series S. I think that you're right. There's a ton of great games to play on Game Pass and I think the ultimate subscription is definitely an amazing value. Even the base subscription is a great value. I think all of the added things that Microsoft is doing to entice people, I'm sure you guys didn't miss that they are now giving away 30 days of free Disney Plus if you yeah. get a Game Pass subscription, yeah. which is which is really timely, of course, with The Mandalorian just hitting streaming for Disney Plus. I think there's a lot of other things that are good added value bonuses with that as well. So if you're not particularly interested in sony's exclusives then then yeah then xbox is definitely the way to go but if if you're really wanting to play new games that feel shiny and new and next gen then i mean maybe it's all about ps5
1: yeah
0: and and maybe we should transition to that but but i was also struck by going through game pass and seeing all those new ea games in there i was like Oh my god! EA literally dumped like everything. You can play Madden twenty eleven if you want. You know, it's it's pretty wild. They just went here is all of our stuff on Game Pass. Um, so that's kind of cool too. But yeah, I mean, I like the X. I for me the 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 box is whisper quiet. Um, I I think it, it you know it turns on fast. The load times are much improved they're not nothing they're not zero it, we haven't gotten to the point where games have no load times um you know even orion the blind for for or excuse me orion the will of the wisps still has a load time it's much reduced but i think we will get to the point where these games have zero load times when they are designed for these boxes but it wasn't a magic wand that made all your games have zero load times um which i think You know, people could have been thinking, I kind of was wondering if that was going to be some thing that I would see where magically all these games have zero load times. That's not the case, but it's cool seeing much reduced load times. It's wonderful seeing how pervasive the backwards compatibility is and how you can play just all these old games that, like I was scrolling through my game library and going, I don't even remember playing that. Oh yeah. Oh, I remember that game. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cool just having that experience. Uh, But ultimately, it doesn't feel quite as fresh and quite as new as the PlayStation 5 does because, you know, that controller, it works. It's a great controller, but I set it down in my office where I have everything hooked up and uh, I had my Xbox One controller in the same area and I inadvertently picked up the wrong controller because they're exactly the same, you know, (laughs) there's no no discernible difference but for the new controller uh which is i guess good but also i wish there was at least some kind of color or logo on it that made it easy to know which freaking xbox controller i picked up in my room
2: oh do you um, have an elite controller for your, no, for your xbox one i do not because that's like the difference right is the d-pad is the upgraded yeah, d-pad that's a, really that's the only difference like that your eye will see yeah but yeah it's I'm with you. I think that it would have been nice if they had done a little bit of innovation with the controller. I know it's a great controller. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I hear you. I hear you. But you still have to justify the price point that you're charging people.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, and this is not an original thought. I'm sure I'm not the only one that's had it. I, I I think, and I'll save the back half of this for what I think about the DualSense. But I think that Microsoft is going to release an updated controller. like the elite, you mean? No, I think it's going to be just a, a standard controller. I, I think third-party games are going to start taking advantage of the PS5's uh, triggers, and I think I think Xbox is going to release a controller that does that too. Mm, that's, that's a guess.
0: Well, don't use up your uh, predictions so early, man. We got we oh, got sorry go sorry couple, um, another month um, or so. Cyberpunk gets
1: delayed again. <laughs> oh,
2: oh no! <laughs> um,
0: all right, well let's uh, let's transition to the PlayStation Five a little because. Two days later, that PlayStation 5 came out. We all have PlayStation 5s. And, um, I mean, this one does feel really new and different. I mean, Andrea already talked about the size of the thing. Everybody's been making a big deal about it.
1: Can we pause uh, there is, real it, quick? Yeah. yeah. I like. I saw pictures, um, watched unboxings. For me, until I had it in my house, I did not comprehend the size of it. It is... <laughs> so very big. Like mm-hmm. I, I had it vertical and we're all in Southern California. And I was like, no, I need earthquake straps for this. Like this is too, this is crush a child. Like it's so big. I don't know,
0: man. I didn't think it felt that much bigger than the pl- PlayStation 3. PlayStation was text- 3 was huge too.
1: Friend of show, John Davidson is texting with him. He's like, I have my OG3. The five's huge. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: It- the thing that about the design is that I really enjoyed that they did something different and unique when they first unveiled it. But once I got the unit into my house, I was like, "This is a little ridiculous, actually." It's and so I think ridiculous. the thing that really frustrates me is the way that they designed that base holder. It screws in if it's vertical, but it barely clips on <laughs> if you're putting it on its side, yes. which the vast majority of people are going to do. It like. It barely clips on, and if you nudge that thing at all, if you're moving HDMI cables, or if even if you're plugging a USB cable in and out of the front jack, like it'll pull it off the base. I'm like, come on, Sony, this is (laughs) you gotta fix this. I look at the clearly
0: meant to be vertical, right? They didn't. They. They. It was an afterthought to be like, I guess people could have put (laughs) it horizontal if they want to. Yeah,
1: I read it again, and it's like clicks on, and I was like, "Uh, I don't. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, I, I did have that moment
0: of kind of uh recognition that man, it, how many years of my life has it been the dual shock? And all of a sudden this controller is really different. And I kind of love that. It, it, it was that moment of like, wow, this is a new generation. I'm really holding a PlayStation controller. That's like, that is completely different. And you know, I'm sure everybody listening has heard people rave about the motion sense and the the way that the feedback has been brought to another level and was really much more sophisticated. But I'll tell you, I was genuinely skeptical that I would be wowed by that because, to be honest, I've never been a huge fan of Rumble in the controllers. Uh, it's fine, but... It never felt super additive to me. Like, oh, an explosion happened in the game and my controller's rumbling. Okay, but the thing that it never really was before is subtle. And that is what the motion sense allows in the the DualSense controller. It is subtle. It actually has subtlety to it. It's not just a big rumbling thing in your hand. It's tiny movements. It's little... Uh, difference in location where it is and, and how it, it almost becomes uh, just a, a sense that you're not really paying attention to. It's not being, you know, hit with a mallet on your fingers every time. It's really just sort of subtle inputs that give you a different sensation of, of what's going on. And then the triggers, the fact that they can set different Tension levels, and you know, you have to maybe push past a a point, and it's really difficult, and then easy. All that stuff, I I really underestimated how much it would feel interesting and cool and be additive to a game.
2: I 100% agree with you. It was the thing I raved about the most. I'm with you in the sense that I traditionally don't like rumble in my controllers. I find it distracting. I typically turn it off in all of my devices. But what Sony developed with haptic feedback and the adaptive triggers is just really really innovative. And that to me is what makes the PS5 feel so new is that they took those little things in addition to some other features as well, but I think the c- controller and what they implemented with gameplay and then demonstrated so beautifully with Astros Playroom, which is a yeah. pack in game that every PS5 owner gets to play, was just brilliant.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, yeah. Go ahead, Christian.
1: I tweeted this out and I, I will still stand by it now, over a day or two later. Um I miss my my paddles of my Elite and of the DualShock 4. I really started to grow accustomed to and like paddles on my controller. Um but the DualSense is by far my favorite controller i've ever owned it's just a joy in my hand it fits well um the little bit of extra width i guess they gave to it like i typically prefer asymmetric sticks but i find that the little bit extra width i I enjoy the symmetrical sticks on it the triggers i mean I, i find myself just sitting there being like Okay. I'm going to turn off. Okay. I'm going to go out of the game. That's just a regular, that's a click. That's a click. Turn the game back on there. It, uh-huh. Feel that resistance, feel that resistance in the haptic feedback. It is the Switch's HD rumble. I think realized in a way much greater than the switch has done it, you know, like, Ooh, ice cubes or whatever they showed with it. The, the differences and, and Andrea mentioned in Astro and, and just even in games that don't use it as much as kind of showing off all the technology just the the subtle changes and, and footsteps or different surfaces being reflected back into your controller, it turns Rumble um, into something that is immersive in a way that is a literal game changer. I think for you know maybe competitive games, you still might turn it off uh, you know, to not have those things kind of getting in your way of trying to get the most kills or whatnot, but subtly immersive in all the best ways. It's a joy in my hand. Um, when they release a non white version, I will 100% buy one because I know what white controllers look like for me in a year, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love the dual sense controller. It is the best video game controller I've ever used when, especially with the PS five that takes, uh, that uses all of its u- unique features.
0: Yeah. There's a, a part in Astro's playroom Where you you can collect things and then you go to a central hub and you're able to play this sort of ball grabber game um, like you would in a pizza parlor or something where the grabber hand goes down and grabs these little spheres. And then once you find one and pluck one out, uh, you have to squeeze it using your little robot hand. Uh, You squeeze it and it pops and then whatever the cool goodie that you plucked out of there uh, comes out. And the way you squeeze it and pop it is you pull the trigger, but you pull the trigger on the controller and it it, it resists and resists and resists and then it pops and you get past this point and then it goes fast. It, it, I, it's hard to describe, but like that little thing, I was like, that is incredible because it feels like I squeezed something until it popped. I mean, it literally felt like I did the thing that I did and I was blown away by just that little feature. Uh it's so cool, yeah, so PlayStation 5 as a console, um we talked about the the form factor we talked about the controller uh, let's talk about that UI a bit because it is new and different uh Andrea, what is your feeling on the way the UI feels the way it you know the the boot experience the the onboarding experience how would, how did all that rate for you?
2: I didn't do the traditional onboarding experience because I told myself I wasn't going to do a full transfer of my PS4 over to my PS5, so I didn't transfer anything. I put two game saves. I made sure that they were updated in the cloud, and that was it. And then I just downloaded the games that I wanted on my PS5 because I am hyper aware that I have to min-max my hard drive space very efficiently because... Boy, oh boy, did I not realize that Sony was going to pull a crazy snafu and not allow people to store PS5 games on an external device, which is something that I hope that they're going to fix relatively quickly. The idea that I only have around 650 gigabytes to work with and then I have to start deleting stuff is unacceptable to me. So I didn't transfer stuff. So it was actually a really easy, quick process for me because I just booted it up. I logged in with my you know, PSN ID. And then I was ready to start downloading games from the, from my library. Yeah. Um, But I like the UI look. I think the look and feel is really great. I think they made a couple of things Slightly more inconvenient from a workflow and an, an intuitive workflow standpoint, but that also could just be that I need to just, through muscle memory, practice yeah. learning where those things in the menu are. It kind of reminded me a little bit of moving from Android to iOS and just really struggling for the first like couple of weeks to be like, oh, I don't know where in the settings this thing is that I need. Yeah. And it's just about like, hard learning time, where those things are.
0: I have a hard time turning it off. Like I'm like I forget where does the where does the go into rest mode? It's not
2: long hold on the button. It's just the tap this time. Yes,
0: and it's so (laughs) it's it's and then I go okay. Well, I tried long holding the button and that didn't work. Where is it? Is it over here in the upper right where those things are? No, it's on that bottom. But you got to push the button. It's like you're right. All that stuff will become I'll, I'll become acclimated to at a certain point. But yeah, it is. Not super intuitive on certain things, and it does take some getting used to. But I guess that's a little nitpicky.
2: Uh Yeah. Overall, though, I really like the UI. I think it looks clean and slick, and I think I'm going to really love it. There's a couple things that I haven't quite decided if I like yet or not. Like the activity cards, I think, aren't really fully being utilized yet because it's still so early. And I am looking forward to seeing if those will actually be helpful things that I want to use or if it's just going to be like a super gimmicky thing. Kind of like how the touchpad as an actual button that is functional – was felt a little gimmicky at first until we saw a couple developers do some interesting stuff with it, but still overall, most developers just use it as a button (laughs) to take the menu, right? right? I think that the PlayStation has built in a lot of really cool tools for developers to use. And it's just about if time will tell if developers actually use those tools.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I feel like those those cards are uh, useless to me right now. I mean, there's one... I remember seeing something in Miles Morales was like, you're on this mission. How much more of the mission do you have to go? About four hours. I'm like, how do you know that? That seems weird to, for you to tell me. But I, I kind of don't know how to make those things useful in, in a certain sense. And maybe it is something that developers will get more in tune with and find ways to surface information that's super useful to me. But ultimately, I've been basically ignoring that. You push pause and it it pulls up these little, cards that give you some information about the game you're playing but ultimately i i stopped reading them pretty quickly because it just seems superfluous
1: Mm -hmm. not not particularly helpful uh christian what's your take on onboarding and ui so i approach it very similarly to how andrea did i I mean i came into this like this is the next gen um i have my saves in the cloud um which still kind of bothers me that that's a premium experience that's part of playstation plus right um but i've Locked into that ecosystem, it's like I forget that it's locked behind a paywall because I've been paying that <laughs> paywall for so long. Until people point it out, and I'm like, yeah, it would be better if it wasn't. I I agree with that. um But so I have the saves that I want there. um But I, I'm sure at some point I want to revisit old games. But I got to a point where I ran through my backlog. I finished the games I wanted to finish on PS4. I was very excited about PS5 as a new console and kind of a new generation for me. So. I actually haven't downloaded any of those um, pulled any of those saves from the cloud yet. And I got bug snacks, which is PS plus I got Spider-Man. I bought Spider-Man and I downloaded Astro bot and I was ready to go. And I I liked the PlayStation plus collection of games. I downloaded days gone, which I never really played on PlayStation four. I downloaded God of war just to have it, but I haven't pulled my save down. Um, because i have it on disc i was like oh i'll have this digitally while i'm here but it was it was seamless right but i wasn't trying to resume go back to a game that i was in the middle of or carry something over i was very deliberately playing you know new games and new experiences on it and it was it was great um the thing that i really enjoy about the console and i think this is the same for the series x um it's quiet yeah it's very quiet so I, I have to concede some heft in my entertainment center in order to have a console that doesn't sound like a jet engine i'm on board like i will give it yeah. those extra 10 inches or whatever however big this thing is to have it run as quietly as it does um and it's snappy going in and out of things i know it doesn't have quick resume the way the xbox does but from my experience going from game to game and going into the UI and going back into a game, it's, it's fast, it's efficient, and it feels new, which I agree that I've had those moments of like, how do I say, it? what do I, how do I do this? But I kind of like that. It's like, Ooh, where's, where's cruise control on this car? <laughs> you yeah, know, like exactly. I kind of li- like spending that time with it. So I've been very impressed and I thought I, I used the QR code um, from the app on my phone to to uh, log in, and it was really nice. I don't know. I don't have I don't have a lot of complaints. I think it was pretty smooth.
0: I I think Andrea hit on the biggest complaint as the for the system in total, and that is the internal storage is just not enough. And um, you know, well, if, if I have Call of
1: Duty at- on there, and that's all I need. It's eight hundred gigs. <laughs> and oh my 100. gosh!
0: <laughs> I know. Well, the two things I learned this generation is I'm gonna need a bigger hard drive and I'm going to need faster internet. <laughs> it's like the downloading three or four games at once at a console launch is like excruciating. <laughs> uh, although, you know, it's nice that, that these consoles can do a lot of that stuff in the background. Uh, whereas, you know, in previous generations, it would have to pause and download to start a game. And some of that stuff can ha- be handled in the background. I mean,
2: if it works, I think the real frustrating part for me is that I was really hoping against hope. That when PS5 launched and I went to go download Destiny 2, I would not get that copying file menu that is the bane of my freaking existence and (laughs) it's still there. It's still freaking there. Why do I have to download and then spend more time copying the file over? What have you not fixed PlayStation with the way your PSN file structure is to make that thing go away? Just make it go away.
0: (laughs) Well, as long um, as we don't turn the PS5 on and every time over the next five years uh, it downloads an update, you know, before I can do anything, I would, I'll be happy about that because I feel like 90% of the time when I turn on my PlayStation 4, it's downloading an update. I'm like, what was the point of me putting you in rest mode was for exactly. you to do that on your own? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, oh, Refer this up in the chat and I want to hit on it. One thing that I, I absolutely love and different people will find different parts of it that they love our um, system level... Accessibility stuff with oh, yeah. PlayStation 5. So I am, I believe we're in the minority now, but I am an inverted Y axis person. And every game, when I start a game, I have to go into options and change it. And sometimes you can't change it during the first like intro before the title scene. I'm like, why can't there's no option? Oh, I gotta sh- struggle through this. On the PlayStation 5, I went in default. Every game now inverted y-axis you can default system level choose um fidelity or performance mode
0: Um, even even difficulty you can have at the the system level instead of each game it's pretty awesome it's really smart colorblindness
1: i believe is one yeah and i love it and i think it was xbox 360 had that for the y-axis too but then it was gone on on uh one and i believe it's not there on the series x and s as well and i love that stuff when it can be system level i know i want this all the time or, or you can have it set to like game default like uh fidelity mode or performance mode like whatever the developers think is kind of that ideal experience you can let it do that um but it's a, it's an actual game changer for me it, it makes the experience that much smoother going in and um I love that. I would love to see that be an update to Xbox as well. Anything that lets more people game. Also, um, uh, I think, Andrea, you tweeted about this uh, as well. But while we're talking about it, shout out to Twitch and their million dollar donation to Able Gamers. It's great. Yeah, super um, cool. Really, really cool. And I, I want to see more people playing our hobby. And so I, anything that can be done at a system level to make that possible is uh, hats off by me.
0: Yeah. All right, well, let's dive into the thing that is really the most exciting part, which is the games themselves. But first, let me thank our sponsor, which is 3rd Love. Oh, my goodness. It's been a minute since we talked about 3rd Love, but we love 3rd Love. My wife, such a huge fan of 3rd Love. I know Christian's wife is as well. Uh, 3rd Love is all about the the perfect fit for a bra. And they, in fact, even have the perfect fit promise. The problem is, oftentimes... Women get bras that are not fit right. They don't, they're not the perfect fit. And that is because the process of getting a measurement taken can be cumbersome, awkward, and ignored, quite frankly, but not with Third Love. Third Love has used measurements of millions of women to design bras that give comfort and support across an entire variety of shapes and sizes. In fact, they have more sizes of bra than anybody else. They have uh, their signature half sizes, which is pretty inc- incredible. Um, and over 15 million women have taken their perfect fit finder quiz to date. Uh, you can do it in 60 seconds, it's a few simple questions, and it finds the perfect fit for you. You just uh, take that fit finder quiz, even if you're not sure about your size, and they'll help you identify your breast size and shape and find styles that fit your body. It's pretty awesome. They have that perfect fit promise, which means returns and exchanges are free and easy. And if you do decide to return your bra, they wash them and give them to folks in need, which is pretty incredible. Uh, Their team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to help you find your perfect fit and they're available via chat or email. Uh, plus, the, uh, the bras themselves are made at the highest quality. They have little details like foam memory cups and no-slip straps and scratch-free bands to make sure that the comfort isn't just about the fit, but it's about the materials as well. They say no shortcuts, no substitutions. Everything is about keeping you comfortable. Third Love uh, has donated over $20 million in bras so far, which is awesome. And they guarantee that you are going to find that perfect fit. You know what? There's a perfect fit for everyone. So right now they're offering listeners of DLC 10% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash DLC now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 10% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash DLC For 10% off today. T-H-I-R-D-L-O-V-E dot com slash D-L-C for 10% off. All right. It is all time to talk about the games that we are playing on our shiny new consoles. I feel like maybe we should start with Miles Morales because I talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, Christian hadn't played it yet. Uh, I know, Andrea, you've been playing it and Christian's been playing it. What do you you think about the new Spider-Man game?
2: I haven't spent as much time with it as you two probably have because I've been dabbling in some other games. But from what I've played, it is just... Some more awesome Spider-Man. I don't think that they reinvented the wheel, but they didn't need to. I love what they did, bringing Miles' story into the video game universe. And I know that people want more from his story. I also really love that they wove, you know, Peter Parker in where it made sense to bring him in. But they, this was not Peter's story. It's very much. Miles of story. And I also just love that it's all like Christmassy because yeah, it's like right? almost Christmas. So I've been honestly kind of holding off on playing it so that I have a reason to just swing around New York and enjoy like the Christmas vibes in yeah. December.
0: Yeah. It's so great. I love when Christmas things come out actually at Christmas because I remember like um, the first division came out, like, I think, it didn't it come out in the in the middle of the summer or something? I don't know. I remember it feeling very dissonant when it was, like, all these Christmas ornaments everywhere and, it, you know, I was playing it in the middle of summer. But, uh, yeah, it's great when you're like, oh, yeah, I'm excited for Christmas and this game is set in Christmas time with the snow in New York City and Central Park. It's like, yeah, it's so good. Um, Christian, I know you've been loving this game, right?
1: I absolutely love, 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 love Spider-Man Miles Morales. I am blown away by it yes it's you know more of the same of what spider-man ps4 was but i loved that game but what i think this game does so well is build on that formula but make it like andrew said it's miles's story and the animation changes, and the way that he moves and navigates through the city, just from web swinging to the subtle animations, uh, like idle animations, or when he lands on a perch, he's not as confident as Peter in the PS4 game. And those little things make it so fresh for me. And also his story, I really love where it's you know, Miles, I'm not going to get into spoilers here, but you know, it's Miles' story and him experiencing New York City and swinging around and the little quips and things he's saying to himself as he's swinging around. And it's like, oh, his mom calls, a friend calls, there's a crime happening over here. And he's like, okay, I can do that. And you're in, as a Spider-Man fan for as long as I haven't, it's like, oh, Miles, no, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't, this is going to be bad. You can't do all those. Peter knows, Peter knows you can't do all that. It will wreck your life, my friend. It will wreck your life, but he's not that point in his journey yet. And so there's optimism and even the little things like going to get cranberry sauce or, you know, whatever it is. And it's so fun to see that experience on that side of the character. Um, and then the game itself is absolutely stunning on PlayStation five. I'm playing in fidelity mode, which has the ray tracing and you know better fur and, you know, the bells and whistles. Um, I turned on performance for a little while to see if 60 frames per second web swinging would win me over and um it it didn't to me the ray tracing is is worth the 30 frames um a single player narrative game i will probably choose those graphical uh whistles and bells over higher frames if it's a competitive game i'll probably try to try the frame rate but it's just incredible uh sometimes i just change suits to see what part of his suit is reflective that picks things up and just like the shiny bits on his suit reflecting back the city or as you're running up Avengers Tower and you see Miles reflection in the glass or swinging low down into the city. Like there will be a point where I start to take ray tracing and this technology for granted. And I always want to remind myself of it. An anecdote I said when I was streaming the game today was like when I moved to Southern California, I made a point to tell myself that like, yes, you're sweaty when you're running, but it's also 4 p.m. on in August and you're going for a run. As a kid from Houston, you can never take this for granted, (laughs) that you can do this. And I want to do the same with like ray tracing where graphics are going to go. It's just the level of immersion that I think it brings into the city when you're walking by a bodega and you see the pedestrians in the city behind you reflected in the glass. It really just brings you in. And while Miles Morales doesn't utilize the DualSense's new capabilities to their fullest, just the little bits that it does use it for the haptic rumble and and some of the, the trigger for web swinging and stuff like that. It it feels so good. Like to know that this is a cross gen game. I can't wait for what insomniac is doing ratchet and clank or whatever else that is strictly built on this hardware. Um, But the game itself, it's, I, I love the combat I love Miles' new powers, and I love how they add to it. I think visually they're stunning. Venom blasts and everything are just jaw-droppingly gorgeous. They've nailed the animations again for how Spider-Man you know, moves in general and the cinematic touches coming off of finishing moves and combos and building large streaks together. It is such a joy to play, and the characters feel very well realized and fleshed out. There is a part um, where I was... Sh- the first part one of my stream, which I think is still it's archived uh, on my Twitch. And it's like, as Andrea mentioned about that being New York and Christmas, like I got emotional um, because like they had friends over for Christmas and they're like, like Oh, I love this market and Christmas. And like, they're talking to people and I'm just like, we can't have that this year. I don't think I want a pandemic game necessarily, <laughs> Yeah, but it was, it was tragic and touching in a way that I didn't expect to be caught off guard by, by it. But the interactions felt real and, and realized between these characters and friends just coming over and hugging. And it's like, oh, yeah, we, yeah. we don't have well, that. To but I point, think it's a testament I, to the characters. It's Yeah.
0: And, and it's something that I I praised in the first Spider-Man game. I think we, we all did. Um, th- this focus on not just the character in the costume, but the character out of the costume, right? Miles Morales is as important as Spider-Man. Peter Parker in the first game was as important as Spider-Man and both sides of that character were explored. And I think that that's a testament to the folks at Insomniac understanding what makes Spider-Man special, right? It's awesome to swing around the city. It's super awesome to, to beat up bad guys and save the day, but it's also super important that we understand all of the challenges and life stuff that these young yes. people are going through as well. That's what. That's why I loved Spider-Man as a kid is because it it was like me, and you know he was he was just as worried about homework and going out on a date and making sure his his parental figures were proud of him as he was about saving the day. And I think that that's uh, retained in these both of these games. And I think seeing that personal side of miles Morales' story is really really special and th- like you said the game is a joy like there are so many games that are dark and brooding and uh, you know all of that stuff and that that's fun i can have fun with those games but boy even in a game where bad guys are running rampant through the city of new york it's it just feels light and positive and fun and i really appreciate that about it
1: and i will say with this now the second iteration of this um you know that baton. I don't know if it's the bar has been raised per se, but as that metaphorical baton gets passed back to Rocksteady or WB Montreal for the next Batman game and Suicide Squad, Insomniac has nailed this—you know—comic book combat, Arkham Spider-Man style combat. Like it feels so good, and the finishers and using your your web gadgets are such a wonderful part of the flow of the experience that rocksteady and wb they need to bring their a game like this is not a a genre now where you can just kind of rest on your laurels and be like oh we did arkham combat again and it's like well fine but insomniac's at the top of their game over here so i'm really excited to see what those games can deliver because it feels so good to you know play a spider-man again and they've nailed how fast he moves like i remember that was a concern of the ps4 game and I think a testament to the level designers here in miles Morales again, as well, where like you're inside, you know, there are levels where you're inside and big combat moments and you don't feel hamstrung by not being able to zip around or web. Like they build the space out in a way that is both believable and allows you to, you know, do the things a spider do. Um, It's, it's a phenomenal game. And I apologize now for having five games be all from sony uh, at the end, of the, at the end of the year.
2: <laughs> you don't have to apologize for playing excellent games
1: they're so good <laughs> yeah. i love it so
0: much also can we uh can we just say i i hope the game three is spider gwen i want i want that's that's the next one like we can do peter parker we can do miles and let's do spider gwen
1: yes
2: i'm right? there let's go yeah.
1: speaking of i don't know if if it was just a pre-order bonus, we can get the suit another way, but I pre-ordered the game. And as a pre-order bonus, there is the spider verse suit. <clears throat> yeah. And oh my gosh, I I actually make the game harder, air quote, harder for myself at times because two of the suit abilities that you can pair with, you can pair with it with any suit because it's the same thing, like mix and match, but that come with that suit are pow bang booms that show up yeah. that are like neon and bright and just beautiful when you sock people that it like looks like spider verse. And the other one is, is that it animates Spider-Man on the twos, which is how he moves in the movie. Yeah. And it's unbelievably awesome to have Do you
0: see the the kid that that yes. remade the intro to the to the into the Spider-Verse in the yes. game, which is pretty yes. wild. It's I, so good. I find it, I do love it, but I do also find it a little bit ironic that you can set the game into the 60 frames per second mode and then it literally like this feature is dropping frames out of animation
1: with just spider-man though the rest of the world still <laughs> yeah. moves as it moves but it's pretty fun but it's, again i think it's a testament to insomniac and everybody that worked on this game understanding the character doing that nod back to spider-verse in a way and, and like the suits speak to the richness of the character and understanding it and treating yeah. it with care and it's i'll shut up because otherwise it's we're going to run out of time <laughs> <laughs> it's real good. Um
0: but Andrea, I, I want to hear you tell me about a game that I do not have and have not played and that is Godfall, which I think is a, a a real exclusive, a real um new IP and I think a big question mark for me. Uh what do you what's your take on Godfall?
2: I've been really having a great time in Godfall so far and I know that the reviews are pretty split on it. I am of the mind that this game is Clearly taking advantage of the power of next gen, but they need a little bit more guts of the game, which I think is you know a very fair criticism. I don't understand why people are 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 knocking on it for anything other than content because it's smooth, it's fast, the combat feels crisp. I think what's really great about Godfall, which is a looter shooter hybrid mashup game so it's not a shooter it's a brawler but it's taking this kind of sensibilities of a borderlands where there's a bunch of gear to go chase and mashing it up with the kind of hack and slash that you get from a game like assassin's creed or a game like demon souls but I don't want to directly compare it because I really do think what they're doing is unique. And I think that whenever you compare against really iconic franchises when it comes to gameplay mechanics, people get very nitpicky and then they kind of push up their glasses like, well, actually, you know, this is the way Demon's Souls is. And I was just like, yeah, I just I'm trying to grasp something that you guys can do a comparison with. What I love about Godfall is that it really allows someone like me who's been turned off by the complexity and the intricacy of the Souls games to really kind of get my feet wet in the parry and dodge (laughs) evade style of some of the more complicated hack and slash games where Mm -hmm. you can't just run into combat scenarios and beat your way out of it by just like throwing your weapons around. You really have to Go into each combat instance with a game plan and with your loadout ready and with your your potions or your healing spells or what all the things that you need ready in each combat scenario, which I think Godspell is great at. And the the, the graphics are just out of this world. I, I've seen some people complain that they went overboard with particle effects. And I'm like, I don't care. No Put such all thing. Put sparkly no things such on thing. the screen. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I think it looks amazing on PS5. And I think that this game has a lot of potential. Now, I have also seen some people comparing it to Anthem, which I think is not fair. I think they are very different games in a wide variety of ways. I think the only thing that they have in common is that they were very promising up front. And then it kind of left players wanting more from the from a content perspective. I do think it was a mistake for them to roll this game out. At a $70 price point, I think that that's too high. But I also understand that Sony is trying to get consumers used to the idea that games are going to cost more this generation. And the games at the beginning are going to get thrown under the bus no matter what. No matter what game it is, right? Like, Short of cyberpunk, quite honestly, (laughs) I think that people are going to be upset at paying more for games. That's just the way it is. And we're going to have to all go through those growing pains together. I think what i've really loved about my time with uh, godfall is that it really allows you to start customizing your gameplay right away so you play the the narrative is is kind of tropey in the sense of you know, you play this um, ethereal character who is set on a task to go after this mad god to prevent them from, like, breaking the realm, right? Like, I don't need to get into the weeds about that. It's They're not doing anything really super innovative with the narrative, but that's not the focus of the game. The combat is the focus. And you have these things called valor plates. And the valor plates are essentially suits of armor that is, act like a class. And yeah. you have 12 different valor plates that you can collect. They're, almost kind of feel like the javelins in Anthem, but there's way more variety in them and the design of them is really freaking cool. Yes. Warframe is a perfect example. A lot of people have been comparing Godfall to Warframe, but obviously Warframe has been in development for many, many years now. And I think the comparison is quite honestly not fair to Godfall because it's a brand (laughs) new game. And it's from a studio who a lot of people aren't familiar with by name, Counterplay Games. And, being published by Gearbox. And I think that this game could go on to do some really cool things if they can just get their feet under them. But nothing I played in the game was broken. The game mm. looked beautiful. The game played super crisp, super smooth. I think it is. it remains to be seen like how deep the end game is going to go, but they're not a live service game, which is something that I think a lot of people are going in assuming And they've had to really kind of beat the drum of No, we're not a live service game. We're more of an action RPG than anything. Mm -hmm. And the the content of the game is in the game. And it's tough because I think consumers have kind of gotten into this rhythm where they expect almost every major combat RPG hybrid game to be a live service game. And that's just not possible for a lot of studios. So it's going to be interesting to see how the narrative and the combat and the progression keeps going. I've played about six or seven hours so far. So, cause I'm, like you guys trying to split my time between a lot of games right now. Um, But I'm definitely going to go back. I've really, really loved the combat. It's interesting because I'm playing a lot of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And when I play Godfall and then I go back to Assassin's Creed, I'm way better at the combat in Assassin's Creed because (laughs) I actually take the time to think about what I'm doing because I have to in Godfall. Otherwise I'll just die constantly.
0: It's an Assassin's Creed trainer. This game's an Assassin's Creed <laughs> trainer. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. very curious about Godfall. I, I I've been tempted to to jump into it, but I uh, I've I've read some of those mixed reviews, and, and it's interesting to hear you uh, hear you talk about it. It's um kind of rooting for it, but it does feel a little bit like it's it's more in the uh, Borderlands model of uh, content coming periodically, but not as a live service, right?
2: Yes, exactly. And I think Borderlands is a great comparison, obviously, wildly different in a lot of ways, you know, mechanics, art style, overall feel. But it's an action RPG at its core that has all of the content in the game. But I think the content that's in the game is just leaving people like wanting a little bit more depth. And a lot of that comes Mm -hmm. from that there's not a lot of variety in the maps and that there's activities that are reused. And I think that people's bar is set incredibly high because there's just some really fantastic games out there. Yeah, and I don't blame people for you know being really discerning with their dollars. I just want studios to be able to take risks on really cool projects. And I think Godfall has potential to be really cool. But people are so quick to just shit on things. And it makes me so sad yeah. that I'm just like, I hope this game finds an audience and finds people that appreciate the work that the team has done on it because i think that it has potential to be really cool
0: it's a rough time of year i mean i I understand wanting to have your game out as a console console launch exclusive and and get in that window of holiday and all that stuff but man it is there's so many things to play and i mean there's so many things just this week to talk about um the the game that i want to mention is Surprising to me as being what I think is the most next gen game that I played all week, uh, having played a whole bunch of them. Uh, as much as Maz Morales looks great and is, I mean, it is a beautiful game. The game that just feels like, oh, this was not possible before, and it I think hints at what we're in for over the next five to six years uh, of these consoles' lives is Demon Souls. Um, that game is gobsmacking. It is so beautiful. And I am so looking forward to when games like Assassin's Creed and Spider-Man and, and everything looks as good as Demon Souls does right now, because holy smokes, I-, I wish I loved that game more because I've been playing way more of it. <laughs> Than I thought I was going to, only because I just want to see what the next area looks like and what the next enemy looks like. It is stunning on PlayStation Five. Andrea, have you had a chance to play Demon Souls?
2: I've downloaded Demon Souls, but I, like you, am not like a giant Demon Souls fan because I find it incredibly punishing. And if I only have a few hours to play games. (laughs) <laughs> why punish myself yeah. but i am looking forward to trying it and i've had some friends volunteer to kind of carry me through
0: yeah i mean the, at least the first uh just play the first little tutorial segment because it brings you through a a number of enemies that that don't really hit hard and then it gives you a boss that can one-shot you um but that entire sequence is just like <laughs> yeah well that's that's the game uh but the the um that entire sequence really i mean the first thing you see when you turn the game on, it says on the first day. And then it like puts this picture on the screen and it's like, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in a video game before. Uh, and it, it really doesn't decline from there. It is uh stunning. It really feels like they leaned into the capabilities of the PlayStation 5. I mean, every every ray of light, every area full of detail and like no none of the walls you know in previous generation you know the previous version of demon souls you'd see uh, brick walls that are basically flat textures none of the brick walls are flat textures they're all you know have jutting out and and complex geometry all over the place it just it puts every other next gen game that i played this week to shame graphically and i'm down for it i'm i'm ready for the next wave of these next generation games that are all, you know, not cross-gen, weren't, didn't start their lives, being developed on old hardware, really leaning into where we are with the the hardware capabilities of these new boxes. <sighs> Demon Souls is the only game that I played that hints at what we're in for. And, ah uh, man, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Uh, but let's talk about Assassin's Creed, because I you said you've been playing a ton of that. I have also been playing a ton of that. I'm so excited to have a new Assassin's Creed after having a year off from this franchise. I was such a huge fan of Odyssey. Uh, I'm playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla on Xbox Series X. Uh, what are you playing it on, Andrea?
2: I am also playing it on Xbox Series X.
0: Okay. I, I decided to do that because I played Odyssey on my Xbox One X, and I just, it just felt like, ah, yeah, this feels right. And also because... I felt like if I didn't play Assassin's Creed Valhalla on Xbox One X, there wasn't much I was going to be turning my Xbox One X on, or my Xbox Series X on for. Uh, so uh...
2: you're not wrong. It's literally <laughs> the only reason why I'm turning mine on right now, <laughs> yeah. though. I did download Odyssey on my PlayStation five hmm. to see how the load times are. And boy, oh boy, fast traveling is so fun now. I used to oh, wow. always avoid fast traveling because the loads would take forever. Yeah, not anymore.
0: Well, that's exciting. Um, so uh, the first thing I want to say about Valhalla on Xbox Series X is, I don't know if you've experienced it, but I've been seeing a lot of screen tearing, which evidently is a known issue and one they uh, have said they'll patch. But for now, it really bummed me out uh, having a brand new console that's supposed to be so powerful. And it, it mostly happens in cutscenes, uh, which powerful, there are a Jeff. lot of.
1: It's ripping what? through your screen. It's the most powerful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's tearing out.
0: Well, I mean, that's what screen tearing is uh, traditionally, is that the yeah. the display can't keep up with the the frame rate. But um, I don't know. Andrea, have you seen any of that?
2: I've probably seen a little bit, but not enough that it's been, like, immersion breaking for me. And mm. I think that those kinds of bugs, like, I guess maybe I just have got, grown tolerant of open world games from all developers having... You know, slight bugs here and there just because it's like open world games are hard and all those competing systems are hard. But, um yeah, I mean, it's definitely not perfect when it comes to graphics, but, boy, is it pretty. It's yeah, it super it's pretty. Really I mean, pretty. the last two Assassin's Creed games really kind of upped the ante with graphics. I mean, Odyssey was just gorgeous and the draw distance when you're synchronizing from the viewpoints and just looking out it's just it's incredible what ubisoft's art teams and engineering teams have done as far as open world games go
0: i've not been a person that uses photo mode in games very much but odyssey i was using it all the time and valhalla i've already started like i gotta take a picture of that that is so cool um and i don't know how far you are i basically haven't been in england very long uh which basically means i just very recently got off my starting island but that's only because the starting island quote unquote uh, which is norway in this case uh, is just is so awesome like you can just climb the mountains and explore the snowy mountaintops and i just did it for hours just wandering around the snowy mountaintops and mining ore and and finding different places to look and take pictures and little quests and wealth that you could find up in there i was like I don't want to leave Norway. This is amazing.
2: (laughs) I know. I saw an area in Norway that was like power level 280. So I was like, we're coming back here. So I forced Uh. myself to leave Norway pretty quickly. So I've been in England for quite some time. I have – I've made some really good progress into – Forging my alliances in England. But I'm I'm with you. It was really difficult for me to tear myself away. You know what's funny about you saying that is that every time I started like an open world RPG game, I think back to your story, Jeff, about the hinterlands in Dragon <laughs> Age Inquisition.
0: <laughs> yeah. Leave <laughs> the hinterlands. hinterlands. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, that's the best advice I can give to anybody in that game: is leave the hinterland.
2: <laughs> that's what I tell you: get out of Norway. <laughs> you, <laughs>
0: exactly. <you> come back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I, I did. I did. I did. But I uh, I haven't been in England very long. But it's such a cool moment to leave this you know snowy, dark, icy area and enter into you know England in the fall. It's 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 so pretty. I mean, the the world you mean the snowy, dark area. What are we? T- <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's it's like beautiful and it's it's full of greens and browns. And, yeah,
2: it's like fall colors everywhere. Yeah. It's really pretty.
0: Yeah, it's the the worlds that they build in these Assassin's Creed games now are. I just love exploring them. I I don't know what it is. I I keep trying to put my finger on what I love so much about the last few iterations of these games, and I just feel like it is exactly has has hit a note that just is so perfect for me personally. Uh, but I don't w- what's your feeling about it, Andrea?
2: I really like what they've done. It's, it it took me a little bit to get used to. I'm still salty that they nerfed the bird, the way that they nerfed nerfed it. Um oh, and, I'm, I'm well, mad that can't you mad can't, mad mark people? can't tag anything with with yeah. tune in with my raven friend. But Yeah. I think what they've really done is that they've tried to marry the Assassin's Creed of old with what they've started with the RPG forward Assassin's Creed that began with Origins. I saw a continent Q in the chat asking about, you know, is it more like the old ones or like the new ones? And I'm a diehard Assassin's Creed fan. I've played every single Assassin's Creed game. I have all of the statues of the Assassin's (laughs) lined up on my shelf here in the studio and I love classic Assassin's Creed. And I think what's great about what they did with Valhalla is that they brought some of those classic stealth elements back. And they're not easy. People were complaining that the stealth wasn't difficult. And Ubisoft was like, okay, you want difficult stealth? You got it. Because if you don't have the game on easy mode, the stealth is is real. Like The guards see you from quite a distance away. You can't just you know kind of cheese your way through the bushes anymore like you really do have to be cognizant and without the ability to tag enemies with your bird like you could in the last two games you really have to be more cautious about the way you're approaching large encampments fortresses that have a lot of enemies because you can very quickly get overwhelmed and I think that that's going to be something that people really like. I do, though, like that they kept some of the more (laughs) like Breath of the Wild style exploration where you can climb almost any surface. Um, I love it. And I think that that is marrying some of the things they started with Origins and Odyssey and still kind of keeping true to where the roots were. And as a longtime fan, I was so happy that they jumped into the modern day stuff right away and have a lot more of a rhythm between when you go back and forth between what's happening with Layla and what's happening with Eivor. Mm -hmm. And I think that for longtime fans, that feels a lot a lot more rewarding than some of the other past games have been. I mean, particularly in Odyssey, yeah. I would go maybe 20, 30 hours without doing yeah. a main quest line, let alone doing any modern, you know, um, well, like it, it present even day said, stuff, you know? It
0: even tells you, like, w- one of the early times that you're in the quote-unquote present day, you know, the Animus stuff in Assassin's Creed, it even tells you, like, okay, you can get back in the Animus, but you're not going to be back here for a while, so... Get your fill. You know, like it literally tells you. Yeah. It's going to be a long time before you come back here. Um, but yeah, I, I know a lot of people, I, I find a lot of people um, criticize the modern day stuff in the Assassin's Creed games. And I understand that it's, a, you know, perhaps a bit uh, underutilized or not fleshed out entirely. But the idea that there are this, this entire series of games And each of them is the story of this time period and this character in this time period. And it has, it's a full arc of that character and all these side quests and that entire world is explored. But then also there is this other meta story that only moves forward slightly in each game, but each game is interconnected and, and has that meta story that is, that is progressed in each game. I think that is such a cool idea and I'm so down for it. I, like the fact that like there's something in that very first sequence that when you come in this game in Valhalla and there's some very important item that I, I know what it took for me to get it in the, in Odyssey. And it's like, there it is. And it, it carries forward. And it's this meta story. I'm, I dig that. And I really hope that's the direction they go with that TV series that they're planning. Um, because I think that'd be cool too.
2: I mean, I have, I want the best for that. After what happened with the movie. Yeah, the movie I'm very, was very, very like um, you know, skeptical, but I want I want something cool to happen because I think the narrative has so much possibilities. And yeah. what's interesting about Eivor and what they're doing with the character this time around is the they give you the opportunity to pick male Eivor or female Eivor, but you can also let the animus decide, and the animus yeah. then will choose male or female, at specific points of the story. Which and I you think can is switch really back at any
0: time, too. You could, you, exactly. The, the, the choice is fluid in the course of the game, too, for you. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely, which I think is really cool. And I was pretty on the fence about if I was going to like the settlement feature, because I was like, oh, this just feels like one more thing to manage, and yeah. I, the game is already so big. But now that I'm about probably – 20 to 25 hours into the game that I I feel like I get it now and that it grounds you and that this whole clan that you have, your Raven clan that you lead as as Eivor, was Sigurd, is that it makes it feel like a family. And Cassandra didn't really have that. You know, right. Bayek didn't really have that. Sorry, Bayek. We call him Bayek here. It was good games because he's Bayek. But... Um, <laughs> I just I think that that's really an interesting idea that they're doing with Eivor is that they're kind of grounding this character by saying we're going to make you go back to your settlement to do specific types of upgrades, but we're not going to make it a pain point like you can upgrade your armor to an, a certain extent in the field without having to go to a blacksmith now, which is great. Right. but if you want to make really meaningful upgrades, you have to go back and see you know Gunnar at your settlement, and so you have that interaction, and then all of those characters interact. It does really feel like a family and that to me makes me more immersed in Eivor's story than I ever was in Cassandra's.
0: That's interesting. I I was going to bring up the same point, but I'm not sure I came to the same conclusion yet. I mean, obviously you've played more of the game than I have so far, but, um, it, I do think that my biggest takeaway so far in comparing Odyssey to Valhalla is that, you know, I played as Cassandra. I loved playing as her. I loved her as a character. I loved the vocal performance. I just thought, I was so in, I loved that world, I loved what she was doing. I I loved that game so much. But it it was this lone wolf character. It was this, you know, she would you could choose to align with one army and then literally in the next battle align with the opposite army. I mean, she was a true mercenary. She was she had no allegiances other than what you decided as the player and you, you know, it was it was a a singular character in the middle of all this chaos and all these other factions that are at play and in Valhalla Eivor is as you said like part of this family part it, it, I think every design decision was about making it feel more like you're on a team and you are progressing with a group and you know as much as I loved all of the battles that you would get into the I don't can't remember what they were called but like the war the stuff conquest you, battles yeah conquest right um i loved how that played out it, it felt really epic and cool and it was just one you were one character on this massive battlefield with tons of npcs and you could attack whomever you wanted and that has been replaced i think by these raids and so far i'm not as in love with the raids as i was with the conquests i hope it grows on me but it, it feels a little bit like there's like old um lord of the rings games where they try to do stuff like that and and uh it never I never really feel like I'm part of this huge group taking down a thing. I do still feel a little lonely in those situations because it's just like pockets of people fighting amongst themselves and I'm mostly running past it to do whatever it is I want to do so I don't know I don't know how you it's feel interesting about the raiding. that
2: you feel that way because I definitely don't I mean and i've I don't how many raids have you done so far?
0: Not many I think three so yeah, not a lot.
2: Okay, so once you start recruiting your own Yoms Vikings, which are the powerful people that are going to fight alongside you, and once you upgrade and open your barracks at your settlement, you'll be able to mm. customize your raid crew, the people that go out on those raids with you. Mm. And then you will see those people that you specifically pick and you'll see your yums viking that you have armored in mm. like the armor you want them to wear fighting next to you. And it feels totally different. Oh, that's and cool. I have gotten to a place now and I at first have not, I was really resistant to the raids. I was also really resistant to the idea of the the narrative overall, even though I come from a Norse background. My like literal ancestors were Norse <laughs> and um, I'm from, you know, I have a lot of Scandinavian heritage and it's just, it was the idea though of going into places and killing people and taking their things because I want their things. I really struggled with that where we're at as an enlightened society in 2020 compared to where they were at. And I really had to let that go and remind myself of the era that they lived in and how desperate it was to just be alive and that I was maybe overthinking it just a little bit. I was like, this is a fantasy game and it's all about violence. You should maybe just let that go. And then once I kind of started to live into the fantasy of the Vikings a little bit more, it made more sense. It's like, hey, these resources are few and far between. And you either, you know, make alliances with people or you have to kill to get what you need to survive. And that was just yeah. the way that it was back then. And I think yeah, that sometimes little, we lose sight of that.
0: It is interesting that they're asking you to, you know, sympathize with the group that's like we're gonna come into somebody else's land we're gonna run through and and kill all of them and set fire to their buildings and take their stuff <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> it's the protagonist. we're really nice we swear <laughs> yeah
0: yeah that's interesting uh have you seen the show Norsemen on netflix
2: no i haven't
0: uh i, I recommend it it's it's all i could think about the entire first you know five hours i was playing this game was his norseman is a comedy it's uh it's like if game of thrones had jokes (laughs) you know it's like it's making fun of itself but it's all these um uh you know nordic actors doing their authentic uh uh accents and everything and and portraying this time period but doing it you know ironically and and with it's basically like the office or something but (laughs) instead of you know tps reports it's pillaging and <laughs> going into <laughs> war uh it's very funny it's a very good show but anyway it reminded me of that when i was playing it um i have a few other little nitpicks uh, that i want to mention about assassin's creed valhalla in my early hours i'm sure people are going to hear me talking a lot about this game because i plan to play a lot of it um but my early impressions i really really don't like what they did with this the skill system and the same this branching it's almost like path of exiles wildly branching uh skill point system where it's like this massive flow chart and you put a point in a thing and then it unlocks a whole other arm of the thing <laughs> excuse me uh the thing I, I like least about that to be honest what, what bugs me about it is that i never know if this is the right direction to put my my skills into because it's all like got fog of war on it it it's it's blotted out until you put enough points and then it shows you where you're headed it's like no i want to plan my skills based on this cool thing that i want to get i just don't know if this is the direction to get a cool thing or not it's it's baffling as to why they did that i i i thought the odyssey skill system was so elegant and great and i know that they've kind of um broken off a lot of the action-based skills into into finding them in the world and i really dig that because i think it's added a bunch more puzzles into assassin's creed than they had before like how do i get to a place i know it's there but how do i get to it it's kind of cool but ultimately the skill system is very frustrating and i think it was one of those things where their innovation made it worse in my opinion
2: I'm with you. I think that the idea of a constellation skill chart is so overdone at this yeah. point. It's like, cool, yet another person is making their skill tree of constellations. And, yeah. and like, I get that narratively with, with Norse mythology, it there's a basis there, but I'm with you that the fog of war thing was really annoying. I guess the only saving grace is that you can reset your skills and then respect them, knowing right. like where the branches go. But well, like, why, do took, I need to, why should I do, me, I do that? It's like, I know, yeah. I know. It took me like, 20 hours to find where the reduced fall damage was in the skill tree. I was just like, oh, God, why did you make me go search for this? Yes. Um, but I'm with you there that they've definitely... I, I don't want to say it's quite one step forward, two steps back, because I don't think that they've gone backwards that much, but they have definitely made some choices that are head scratchers for me, because I think they nailed it in Odyssey, and then yeah. they changed it for Valhalla, and I'm like, but Why?
0: <laughs> I know I there's things that work so perfectly in, in Odyssey and it just feels like change for the sake of change, which I guess you kind of have to do with iterative series like this. But um, it also seems like the, the game is much stingier with new loot and they really put the emphasis on you upgrading the loot you already have. But maybe you'll tell me that that changes as as the game goes on.
2: It does not. As somebody yeah. who got the I think the ultimate edition from Ubisoft where I got the bear armor set from the very beginning, I am still wearing that same armor set because I haven't had a reason to change off of it because I haven't gotten that gear. Now that's being said, I actually don't mind that because I got really fatigued of constantly having to manage my inventory in Odyssey, it became overwhelming. Like I do appreciate that they didn't have encumbrance and I could carry a bazillion things. I do love that, but it was still like a lot to go through and sift through every time you wanted to check something out. Now I'm hoping that once I get a little bit further down the main path, like more types of armor will open up because typically the best armor comes from like major story beats or major bosses and that's why again as much fun as it is to get lost in exploring you really do have to kind of push yourself to go down that main path to get the best rewards and to unlock key beats that will actually make the overall gameplay experience more enjoyable
0: yeah i do like that the 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 armor as you upgrade it also will change its appearance because part of part of the fun of getting new armor is changing the appearance but um yeah, it it I again. It was a thing in in Odyssey that I really liked is how often I changed Cassandra's clothes and she was getting cool new shiny things all the time. And I just loved the look of all of that awesome Grecian armor. You know, it was it was it was neat. Same, and now we're yeah. like like of the same furs for ten hours. You know.
2: Yeah, that part is kind of a bummer. And the stuff that the the cosmetics that they rolled out in the store. None of them are speaking to me, which is a little bit of a bummer, though I do really want that really dumb unicorn ship pack <laughs> just because <laughs> it's so stupid. Oh, I um, rode the
0: unicorn in, in Odyssey for a long time because it, oh, yeah. so it left yeah. <laughs> rainbows in my trail.
2: <laughs> uh, but I do like that they took away a lot of the time savers that they got grief over in the last Assassin's Creed, which they rightly should have. Like, I shouldn't have to buy $35 worth of DLC time savers, right. literally called time savers, in right. order to not have my game go from, you know, 300 hours to 100 hours. Like, that's bonkers. Yeah.
0: Alright, I know that was a super deep dive on Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but it's a huge game. And it, it evidently uh it sold double the amount that Odyssey did in its release. So people are down for for Valhalla, it sounds like, it seems like. Uh, and you're gonna hear me talk a lot more about it. I'm I'm really loving it. There's something that they just honed in on with, with Origin and Odyssey and now Valhalla that just scratches exactly what I like about video games. It's, it if things feel streamlined in the best ways the exploration is super rewarding and fun and i like i like the combat it's 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 real good i'm really liking it um but christian you've been very patient i apologize for us uh, going on and on about that uh tell me about another game that you've been playing this week
1: uh i want to talk about astro's playroom because it's something we've yeah. all uh played with and I, where i want to start is that it's a pack in we're talking <sighs> Talking, mm-hmm. what it, year is this? What year is it? packins it's packins. it's a pack-ins. and they didn't cheat to get and win the World Series. We're talking Astros' playroom, not Astros' oh. dugout. <laughs> I have the World Series championship hat in my closet. I can, I can say that. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure
0: that the playroom is where the cheating
1: started, but let's, let's move on. <laughs> One, it's a pack in, which is incredible because, two, as you know as an old as an official old representing the consortium of olds um <laughs> i sometimes forget that a playstation 5 is going to be someone's first console and yeah. astro's playroom is mario 64 which was not a pack in by the way was not a pack in that this is is bundled you have to download it but part of this purchase price for this console which is not cheap but is is part of it and an experience that Walks you through a controller demo, you know, for all intents and purposes, but is also an outstanding game. As someone who is replaying the Mario games with the, whatever it's called, 35th anniversary 3D All-Stars collection, um, Universe is still a a galaxy, sorry, is is an incredible game. Astro's Playroom is on that tier. Like this game, we talked about Astro Rescue Bot. Uh, and PSVR yeah. as like if Nintendo had made this people would be raving about it you know blah blah yeah. blah 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 this is that again like I agree this is third person platforming exploration mascot game everyone want to define this genre perfected is it a demo for all the great things a controller can do yes is that it's awesome also-
2: It's also
0: a love letter. It's a love letter to PlayStation's history too, which is kind of a delight in and of itself. You know, it's how much it like revels in that.
2: It's so fun. Yeah. Running around and seeing all those little homages everywhere.
1: Yes. Like the wall is PlayStation logos. The zip cords are what PS one memory card, like tied to PS one memory cards. Like you unlock and like the, the fun look like what's the uncharted one, like on bot charted or whatever. And like, uh, a dude raider. I think they were sitting and playing in a little room or something like that. Yeah. Like the little cheeky references and then the actual recreations of old hardware and, and uh, peripherals and game that you unlock. But then the gameplay itself, the level design is exquisite. And yeah. I, I called my wife and I was like, you gotta, you gotta play this. This shows off th- these new triggers. perfectly." You gotta do. And she's like, kept playing, you know, like it's a really well-designed game that also highlights what this console can do and it is just so adorable and beautiful and bright. And, and so that's all the stuff. And then I'll stop here, Jeff, because I'm going to say something that we won't all agree with. Um, it doesn't need VR. Like, oh, I think it would be better with VR, but I, I don't have I know to make where that we stand argument. on our, our own islands. Um, yeah. But, but I. I agree I with you
0: I, I, I agree with you up to up to that point I mean I it makes me wish that it was in VR because it, it's so great I mean uh, Astrobot um, rescue mission is is just so wonderful in VR and it made me miss the VR but you're absolutely right uh, Asobi team is I think up there with the greatest platform yes. designers and it, it comes down to the thing that I I praised uh, with uh, rescue mission as well it's just so full of ideas. Like, that's what always, to me, made Mario games so magical and why I think that um, Galaxy and Galaxy 2 are my favorite or of my favorite Marios is because those games had so many ideas in them. I mean, um, uh, Galaxy is the same way. So many ideas. And that's what you find with Astro's Playroom is... Every single level, you're like, oh my gosh, I get to do this? This is incredible. There's little suits that Astro can jump into that give you new abilities. There's a monkey suit. Like the first time I got into the monkey suit and you do the climbing, I was like, This is brilliant and And it doesn't stop.
1: It doesn't. You're like, oh, they've done it. I now know everything my DualSense can do. I guess I'll play one more little. No way. This is incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's. uh, I mean, there's there's
0: bespoke little levels that do completely wildly different things, and they're smart and challenging and interesting in their own ways. It, It is so good, and you're right. It's such a great show off to the hardware and. I think it's a delight. Like, I can't imagine anybody not liking it. In fact, I don't know about you, Andrea, but um Sony also sent me Sackboy. Um, and I think that game is very charming and very fun, but it's also, it feels a little redundant with Astros Player. Like, Astros yeah. Player is, mm-hmm. is doing it so much better and it's free. It's like, I kind of it have should have time. waited
2: and released Sackboy maybe like next year. But I mean, I guess they were looking for more family-friendly options at launch because, you know, Spider-Man is not really family-friendly for younger kids. And And I've heard
1: it shines in co-op. Souls is clearly not not
2: family-friendly.
0: Astro's Playroom does not have that multiple people playing in co-op that Sackboy does. And I'm sure, I have not experienced it like that. And I'm sure when you're doing that, it's on a whole other level. But just on a pure, like, platforming, I think Sackboy's adventure is, is really attractive. It's really fun. It's, it, it's almost, you know, like the best of the best of, uh, little big planet levels. You know, it's, it's really well designed has all those things you remember from those kinds of platforming levels, but the jumping is actually good (laughs) now. Um, so it's really good and I really like it. It's just that Astro's playroom is so much better and just has so much more interesting ideas in it that it's hard to go, well, this is the free one and this is the one that you have to pay extra money for. Just play the free one. I I don't
1: know. It's, yeah. I'm curious, Andrea, if you were as blown away by Astro's Playroom as I was.
2: Oh, yeah. 100%. It's the... Uh, I, I'm with you guys in the sense that it's the thing I told everybody who has a PlayStation 5 that they need to play first. I'm like, mm. I know you want to play Spider-Man. I know you want to play Demon Souls. Please do play those, but you must play... Astro's Playroom first because it's such a great intro to what the controller can do, Mm -hmm. but also it's just so whimsical and fun and the graphics are great. Everything you guys said, the level design is great. Anybody who's a fan of PlayStation is going to see all of the nods I just I couldn't get over the GPU song in the first level. Yeah. <laughs> the big guy in the background, the GPU, just singing his little song about being a GPU. I was like, I, I love this so much for so many yeah. reasons. And I hope that everybody who owns a PlayStation 5 is going to be able to play it. Because I remember when PlayStation 4 launched, how excited I was to be able to show the original playroom to my nieces and nephews at Christmas, the year that console came out, handing them the controller with the touchpad and the light bar and letting them swipe up on the touchpad to like throw the little robots around in the room and how magical that felt at the beginning of that generation. And Sony captured that again with the playroom one more time at the beginning of the PS5 generation. And I think that they absolutely need to be you know, a- applauded for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. download it. Like, it's there on your PS5. Do not sleep on it. Download it. Play it. If you move on from it, great. But, like, don't just blow it off as, like, oh, it's not for me. It's for you. <laughs> it's totally. real good. Um, Two others that I can hit on. Let's see. Uh, first, uh, I, I find it to be an interesting time to drop. And I think it speaks to what generations are now. And as Andrea talked about, kind of Microsoft's philosophy of, you know, increments uh things are always changing is that the days of new console the same day as the xbox came out destiny 2 released its big new expansion or content pack whatever they're called now um beyond light and the next the series x and ps5 upgrade patch um isn't out yet it's just it's still the base game i'm playing it on uh, pc mostly and then some on um, android via uh xcloud And I think it's a testament to what games are, right? Like this is a game that's going to continue. There will be a better version out, but they weren't rushing to get the best version out. I mean, I don't know the behind the scenes thing, but it's not like day and date with Valhalla, like play it here, but you can play it there, but it's still the same one you had, but just on there. I think it's just fascinating about what video games are, but that aside from where I am in it narratively, and I'm not Anthony Taormina or some of the people that can, really dive into, you know, the larger changes. I really like what Beyond Light is doing with the story and how it feels more narrative than... um, Oh, I I just lost it. What was the last expansion? War
2: you Are you thinking about Shadowkeep?
1: Shadowkeep, yes, thank you. Like, Shadowkeep had narrative hooks, but they were kind of sprinkled into the daily grind, if that makes sense. And I feel like Beyond Light has a campaign, which... I, I I love. Well, there and was think, a
2: campaign with Shadowkeep too. Oh my gosh, Christian, how have we not nerded out over Destiny before? Because I've been playing a ton of Beyond Light.
1: It's so good. Well, great. So I'll let you talk about some of the more intricacies in because you're maybe further than me. Shadowkeep. Uh, I'm, I literally just what was the where did Kate die? What was the name of that?
2: You're thinking of Forsaken.
1: For, so, well, right, I'm comparing Shadowkeep to Forsaken. Forsaken, amazing campaign incredible cinematics like they gave kate a beautiful send-off shadow keep was not that beyond light i think approaches that like it's fan servicey in a really great way bringing back characters that you haven't seen in a while and it's like they've meaningful things have happened to them over the time of course like new ability is great um and it just really it really clicked for me and i liked uh, this is not a spoiler if you've been following the news at all. I like how narratively they justified things not being in the game anymore.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. The vault, you mean?
1: vault or, you know, being swallowed. Like <laughs> you know, I, I like that it's acknowledged and it also implies that it might come back, you know, which they've talked about. Things will rotate through the vault, but like, oh, there's a narrative reason for why it happens. Um, and Andrea, I'm curious if maybe you've had more experience with, Cause I know they're talking about the balance, not being exactly what they want it to be yet. And maybe there's a patch or a patch just came out, but I haven't gotten to that part of the grind yet. Um, but for where I am, I love, I love beyond light. I find myself going back to it. Even I'm playing mostly on PC. It's real pretty, but even though it's not a quote unquote next gen game.
2: Oh yeah. I think it's fantastic. I have been loving it. I am a, a diehard destiny player. I play pretty consistently throughout the year. I'll come and go when the seasons aren't, you know, at the very beginning, like if it's near the middle of the end of the season, depending on what's going on. But I have jumped back into Beyond Light in a big way. And, you know, I've run through the campaign already. I've been helping some other friends um, go through parts of the campaign. I'm doing some of the open world continuation of the campaign because anybody who's done any... <laughs> Campaign in Destiny knows that the campaigns kind of leave you wanting more and it's really just the tip of the iceberg and that you really get into exploring more of the cinematics, more of the missions in the content that comes after the main campaign. I've always struggled with the way that Bungie handles light progression because I feel like it's so grindy for the sake of being grindy and I struggle with that after being a destiny player now for over six years. (laughs) And (laughs) I think that I would like to see a little bit more progression of the progression, (laughs) for lack of a better phrase, and that we're not having to constantly chase this gear and use gear that we don't want. Now, the way that they've overhauled ornaments And how they're going to be eventually introducing a transmogrification system, which is way overdue for (laughs) a MMORPG FPS hybrid that is Destiny, I think is great, but it's still not there. And it's tough because as fans, we're like, why isn't it here yet? Why isn't it here yet? But the one thing I will say that I really love about Bungie as a communicative studio is that they put it all out there you know they do these weekly updates they tell the community where they're at Mm -hmm. they've been very open and honest that pandemic has been particularly hard for them this year and that it's really set them back which is why we can play on ps5 and xbox series x but it's really just the backwards compatible version of the game Mm -hmm. but that being said Playing on PS5 is a noticeable difference, particularly in audio, than playing on the PS4 mm. because of the way that the audio processor on the PS5 works and the way that it kind of decrypts that signal that's coming in. I've been loving playing Destiny on PS5, and I cannot wait until December 8th when they launch the update that really pushes Destiny into next gen and hopefully will bring parity with what's happening on PC. I mean, Phil Spencer so crazy, confirming yeah. that you're getting 120 frames per second in PVP on Xbox series X and destiny. That's wild.
1: Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's free. I mean, free, it's a game pass. Like you have beyond light on game pass, which on yep. console, not on PC All of yet. the
2: destiny content on game pass. When they announced that my jaw like hit the floor, I was like, no, this crazy. Is, there's where's the fine print. <laughs>
1: and yeah. I think it's a great time to jump in. Like, I don't know what it's like to come in cold, but I think that does a pretty good job. And I think Bungie has uh, for a while now done a pretty good job of onboarding people um, as they come into the game and kind of giving you a tutorial mission to kind of get you up to speed. Or if you've fallen off, you know, putting you at the level to start the next things. So I think if you're curious or have been curious about destiny, you know, there was the free version that does it, but if you have a game pass, it's really easy to recommend as a game to you know sink a lot a lot lot of time into and i can't i can't wait to see you know where it goes because it's something that like you mentioned it's like as a fan it's like why isn't this here yet but it's coming like you look at where the games come and i think they're Mm -hmm. they're they're working they're making i I love uh what they added to being able to customize your ghost and kind of the things that that adds oh yes i love that too it's really fun and really smart and, and it's beautiful. And like you mentioned, if you console gamers are going to get 120 frames per second. Um, and then this isn't exclusive to destiny, but as someone who is not married to it, it's like game. I, uh, I like destiny the way that I like regular season basketball. I'll watch a few games, but I don't really care until the playoffs. Like <laughs> I love destiny, but I can't only play destiny. Right. Um, and I love the fact, I love cross-progression. Any game that has it. And it's not, Destiny's not the only one. But it was incredible to be like, yeah, you know what? I'm sitting in bed. I'm going to play some on X cloud. There's my character. There I am. I'm going to just do some open world stuff, grind up for a little bit because it is grindy. And then now I'm back at my PC. There's my character again. Let's jump back in, do some other stuff. Oh, I'm on my PlayStation 4. There's my character. Let's go play. I love that. And and Destiny does that. Does that And really then well.
2: once cross-play... Yes. Hits with cross progression. Oh,
1: chef's kiss. It's so good. <laughs> um, Jeff, do you want me to run this last one or does someone else want to talk for a little bit?
0: I mean, I feel like we can push the last one until next week. Uh, it, it, I haven't played it yet and I will by next week, but if you want to m- mention it a little bit, you
1: can I'll tee it up. Uh, call of duty, black ops, cold war. Uh, I'm playing on PC, uh, for all of those race, we provided a code. Um, I'm only playing the campaign it's stunning just of
2: course it is i Uh, mean but call of duty never gets enough credit for the technical prowess that those studios yeah have it's just not fair that they get thrown into the bus every year and it's like those studios innovate and do amazing things year after year
1: yeah and to yes one 100 yes two you were right on studios like when this game loads it shows you all the studio. It's like all, it's like Activision, You know, like all of us, every, all of us worked on this, worked on this game, I'm trying to find it. I think I texted Jeff, what I, when I first started it up, but I don't know if I can find it, but like, I don't know how they do it every year. Cause I played the last one with, you know, some ray tracing also on PC. I was like, this is really pretty. This one looks so much better. And like, it starts the campaign. You're in like a bar, and so it's like reflecty, and it's just like, ah, I'd spend an hour in menus going ray tracing on, or ray tracing off, uh, ray tracing on, or ray tracing off. I wanna play it on PS5 because I've heard that the triggers are incredible for in the campaign. Like each gun feels different. Um, so I might do that. But the campaign is big and bombastic in a way that captures, I haven't finished it yet, but from what I've played, that capture set pieces that I think were somewhat missing uh, before. Like they've always had these big moments, but it was almost like I could put my controller down big moments kind of thing. And so far in black ops, cold world, they they, they feel involved in the right way. Um, My only critique at this point is one, Jeff, I think we mentioned before we played any of the game. I think the reason advanced warfare is at the space one is my favorite Call of Duty campaign is because it's detached from some fictional romanticized version of real world events. Yeah. Like it it feels weird to be playing this game and like with Reagan. And I, I wish it was just like made up la la land. Let's go kick some butt and be like, woohoo! La la land. As You'd rather have like that. ray guns than Reagan, right? Am I right? Ray guns with ray tracing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um Uh, but we can talk about it more
0: next week yeah i'll 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 have played it by then uh i uh i have it downloaded but there's just too it's just just too many games you guys
2: i do Uh, want to say before you guys wrap wrap the game section if you have a playstation 5 and you have a playstation plus account there is no reason why you should not play bug snacks
0: oh yeah i wanted to ask you about bug snacks because i have not played it so tell me the reason why i should be downloading it
2: it's super fun. Is it game of the year? No. Is it going to make you laugh and smile? And is it whimsical? And is it free if you have PlayStation Plus? Yes. I just it's a nice palate cleanse from some of these more heavy action focused games that are out and it's just got that whimsy that young horses is known for so if you aren't familiar young horses is the team behind Octodad and they've been working on Bug Snacks for 6 years and they decided to launch in PlayStation Plus which I think is a an amazing um decision by them to get that game into the hands of way more players than they would have if they just launched for their um 24.99 price which is what i believe you can buy it for on the epic game store if you're a pc player um and it's just so fun it kind of like mashes up the mechanics of pokemon snap with a little bit of like a point and click adventure game and I just love it. It's just so much fun. It's, it's so cute and it's so dumb at the same time. <laughs> um, and it's just a really nice change of pace and it's simple. And the, the bug snacks like say their little names out of the, out of the dual sense controller. Like when you catch them, <laughs> it'll be like Strabby. And like, I just don't, I don't, it's got so much cute factor going on that. I had to had to just get my two cents in there about bug no. Snacks. I'm glad
0: you brought it up. I, I was gonna. I had a note to ask you about it and I missed it. But I'm I'm so glad you brought it up. Christian, have you downloaded Bug, bug Snacks?
1: I have downloaded Bug Snacks. My kids were like, we want to watch you play, and I was like, okay. And then they were like, all right, we're gonna go skateboard, and I was like, Spider Man, it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. And like, uh, I
2: noticed somebody in the chat says that it does get dark and it does. But if you have kids watching you, I don't think they're going to understand how it gets dark. But <laughs> there are some narrative themes because you are, in fact, you know, eating creatures and then becoming part of these creatures. So narratively, it does go places, but it's not inappropriate to have kids watch you play.
0: Well, my last little one, one-off one uh, before we go note is that uh, I also uh, played Ghost of Tsushima on my PlayStation 5, and I think it's night and day different. I think the upgrades that they brought over to that game on PlayStation 5 are really impressive. The higher frame rate, there's no jaggies. I, I noticed a lot of jaggies in all of the moving grass and stuff when I was playing that game on PlayStation 4. Gone. I think the game looks way better on PlayStation Five. I was shocked.
2: Ooh, that's Uh, exciting.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's too many. I feel there's this weird ticking clock right now that I have uh, basically a month to try to get through Assassin's Creed and all these other games before Cyberpunk Cyberpunk hits. (laughs) So I I feel all this pressure, but there's but I kind of want to go and finish Ghost of Tsushima now that everybody talks about how much they love it, and now I feel like
2: oh, did you never finish it?
0: No, I bounced off that game. I, I compared it to Odyssey, and it, for my money, I know peop, a lot of people disagree with me, but for my money, it, it did not compare favorably to that experience. And I love the Assassin's Creed new version of Assassin's Creed so much that I just, felt, I just bounced off of it. But I think now that it is even more beautiful, and uh, I don't know. I think maybe I could, I could fall back in love with that game.
2: I will yeah. say, make sure you, again, this is one of those, make sure you progress through the main campaign because that game in particular gate keeps some really cool mechanics behind main story mission completions. Mm. And so if you don't keep progressing because you get sidetracked in the open world stuff, which is way easy to do, yeah. you're yeah. not going to really have the, the most fun with that game as you can. But I'm with you that I still think apples to apples that Odyssey is a better game. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm glad somebody does because I get a lot of pushback on that. Andrea, but I Jeff, uh, did I
1: lose both of you? You both no longer exist? Hello? <laughs> well, I guess that's the show. Thanks for hanging <laughs> out here.
0: <laughs> but uh, honestly, Andrea, if you have not it's worth re-downloading it on PlayStation. I did 5. already.
2: I just uh, haven't booted it up yet, but now that yeah. you said that's good now. Now I it's, know what I'm doing later. Oh legends. Oh dude, Legends is so good. It was a free update. I
0: know. Yeah.
1: I yeah. know. Oh gosh.
0: It's inc- yeah. So I mean, we haven't even really talked about backwards compatibility on these consoles, but like, th- there are some real improvements. And you know, I played Gears Five on my Xbox Series X, and like I said, Geometry Wars and some other things. It's I haven't downloaded uh, Master Chief Collection yet because I was like, it's 120 gigs, <laughs> something like this, 110 gigs or something like that. I'm like ah, I, don't know. I ain't got that ton of time. But um, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I want to see how the old you know Combat Evolved looks on on Series X. So. It's just, a, it's just a great time to be a gamer. And uh, I mean, it's the been- only
1: the only bad part about being a gamer right now is is whether it's console or PC, Xbox or PlayStation is just availability. Like that's really, yeah. and there's some yeah. reports of consoles crashing. There's like the vape smoke, <laughs> dumb gag thing, but I, that, yeah. some no, that actual, was completely fabricated. Yes. Some, some actual Xbox issues. I know that there's some actual PlayStation issues as well. I've had one hard crash on my PlayStation five and Astro's playroom. Um, but nothing that like bricked the console. But I've heard like play Spider Man remastered maybe has some issues with sleep mode. But again, I I, I think a, the only issue right now is availability. Like both consoles yeah. are incredible. The thirty eighty, the you know three hundred series, uh, NVIDIA chips or GPUs are incredible. The Switch is still incredible. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really hard to go wrong. Yeah, uh, the only problem is. Games. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, But
0: Andrea, Renee, it has been a delight, as always, talking with you. I can't think of anybody better to celebrate our new generation of consoles with. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to chat with you guys.
0: Yeah, we love you. And we love talking games with you. Tell folks about all of the wonderful places they can hear you talking about games on the internet.
2: I would be happy to. The easiest way to keep up with everything I'm doing is to follow me on Twitter at Andrea Renee. Wherever you listen to DLC, you can also find my show, What's Good Games. You can subscribe to us on podcasts or watch our video component at youtube.com slash what's good games. Uh, Mr. Jeff Kanana, in fact, will be on our What's Good Games live next Monday, the 23rd yeah. at 11 a.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash what's good games. If you want to drop us a follow.
1: So excited it's gonna be so much fun. I don't know if you've had eleven a m Jeff on a show before though, but I don't know if I'm just <laughs> kidding Jeff gets up early no yeah eleven a m jeff
0: post kids is has been up for five hours <laughs> so no worries there um yeah eleven a m Jeff is like ready for his nap. that's what that <laughs> <is>. uh, <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week?
1: Twitter, as well, is the best way to see. It's at Spicer, and then last week for on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, also known as weekdays, I started putting up uh, some gaming quick hits. So they're all about a minute or so, and they'll be weekdays. Um, hopefully, they go up before one p.m. But I'll post them to Twitter. You can find them there. And I've also started a playlist on my YouTube, which is uh, Christian Spicer seven one three. The number is seven one three again houston so i have the world series championship gear i can say they cheated um but you can find them there they're all yeah short one minute or so things uh quick takes uh a lot of them are about like ray tracing on ray tracing off (laughs) (laughs) only one of them i think is that and it's spider-man it's real good and uh yeah that's it twitter and you can check those out hope you like them and you can follow me on Twitter also.
0: I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled two N's and one T. Uh, I've got a number of other shows that you can check out if you're so inclined. Uh, the first thing I want to mention actually is a game we didn't talk about, but I hope to talk about a little bit next week. Although I, I have to admit I'm a bit biased, uh, but there is a new version of Rune 2 that just hit Steam. It just was released. And I do, I think, four voices in that game of characters. Uh, and I'm super excited about it. I'm super proud of it. Uh, I've been playing the game a little bit. I've, I've been playing it just because I want to run into my, my characters. Um, I play Thor and I play a bunch of other people. Uh, so I just wanted to mention, if you're playing Rune 2 and you find a character that sounds like me or sounds like a voice I'm making, uh, please let me know at Jeff Ganata on Twitter. I'd love to uh, find out what you think because it was a it was a, such a blast to do voices for that game. Um, also, if you want to hear me talk about movies and TV shows, you can do that at the slash filmcast. At slash filmcast, uh, oh, excuse me, uh, slash filmcast.com is where you find that show. Um, and I do a comedy science show with Anthony Carboni called We Have Concerns. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. I also do a long-form Dungeons & Dragons show called The Dungeon Run. Uh, a lot of fun last week. Wacky show. The title of last week's episode was Off the Rails. And it wasn't just because they had a fight on a moving train with a giant slug. It was because... Uh, The show was wacky and fun. Uh, Give it a shot. You can find it anywhere you get podcasts by searching for The Dungeon Run. You can find it as a YouTube show as well by searching for The Dungeon Run there or by tuning in live on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. And then lastly, I'm also uh, doing a show about sports. Uh, There's a fan-controlled football league that's starting in February, and we're doing the official companion show to fan-controlled football. It's basically Madden in real life. Uh, and you'll hear all about it when we stream Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash FCF. All right. Oh, one other thing I want to mention. Uh, if you want to email this show, you can do so at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. And we got a great email this week. Uh, last week we had Alex Sullman on, who uh, a lot of people really loved hearing from him. He's a former DICE developer, uh, had great insights about um, sort of behind the scenes of the industry. Well, his son, Jake, sent us an email this week at dlcfeedback at gmail.com with a review of our show. Uh, Luckily, Jake really dug the show, and I just really appreciated that. So thank you, Jake, uh, for listening to the show. It was awesome having your dad on. And uh, thanks for the kind words about the show. All right. Let's wrap things up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Andrea, Renee, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week?
2: Oh, M.G. Um, the thing that I have been doing, preparing for November 17th, has been rereading book three of the Stormlight Archives. Oh, yes! Because I'm so excited for Rhythm of War. Yes! <laughs> I don't know where
0: I'm going to get the time to read that book, but I'm super excited for it.
2: I know. And like, here I am, like, I'm like a third of the way through Oathbringer, and I'm just, I know I'm not going to be able to finish it, but I try to read a little bit, a couple of chapters at least every night before bed. And I was really hoping to get to it, but like, I'm comfortable enough with the book that I have been skipping through some of the older mm. dalinar sections specifically like yeah. i don't need to relive his flashbacks again for like the third <laughs> or fourth time um but i mean that's coming out this week it's yeah. so, so exciting
0: so cool yes brandon sanderson's uh epic book series uh it's uh, i'm also a fan it is so good so i highly recommend that Oh, can't, what's the name of the first book? I can't even remember.
2: The Way of Kings.
0: Way of Kings. Yes. The Stormlight Archive. If you haven't checked out, uh, start with the first book, Way of Kings. But yeah, the, the fourth one of, I think, 10 that they are planned. Uh, oh, my gosh. Are, I didn't realize he had that out.
2: many planned. But he is super so. prolific as an author. Yeah. There is no George R. R. Martin shenanigans with Sanderson. No. When he says a book is coming out, it's coming out.
0: <laughs> yeah, he definitely, he's a workhorse, man. It's awesome. Yeah, great. I forgot that that was this
1: week. I'm so excited. Uh, Christian Spicer, what's your parting gift? ACDC's new album, Power Up. It's incredible. It, to me, feels like vintage ACDC. You could have released this any time in the band's long career and been like, yeah, this is, this is it. This is them. It's really good. Um, and they've overcome some hardships. And to have this album drop this year, especially with everything the band's been through and to have it sound as great as it does. um, It's awesome. I wasn't able to listen to it until it came out publicly, but now I got to listen to it. And then I went back. I mentioned it a few shows ago. uh, Dean Del Rey got to do an interview with them on his podcast, let there be talk and like listening to the album now and then going back and listening to those interviews again. It's just incredible. So if you like any ACDC song ever, um, check out Power Up, and it it hits all the right notes. It is it is rock and roll, unabashed rock and roll. It's really great. Sweet. Uh, my my parting gift
0: is a new show that hit Netflix. It is a sketch comedy show, and I think it is genius. I was laughing my guts out. It's called Auntie Donna's Big Ol' House of Fun, and I I am firm believer that the the best sketch comedy show ever. Is Mr. Show with Bob and David, but Auntie Donna's big old house of fun is already encroaching on that territory. It's I feel like it's the next great sketch comedy show, and it is so brilliant, so funny, so out there. I was never super into Tim and Eric, uh, but this feels like the the sort of zaniness of Tim and Eric, but focused more into something smart and and more laser focused i think i just i love it it's called auntie donna's big old house of fun it's on netflix couldn't recommend it higher we also got a listener suggested parting gift this was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com it was sent to us by david who says hey guys not sure if you've heard about this little game called hades hmm, i guess we should have mentioned that once or twice huh, huh christian
1: um well, I wasn't it seems <laughs> surprised, no doubt what game <laughs> I haven't heard of it. Hades. It seems up your
0: alley. Well, this roguelike has an incredible accompanying docu-series from the YouTube channel Noclip. Noclip has created some high-quality documentary content with the Supergiant team while they tackle the challenges of early uh, access development, from launching in early access during the Game Awards to trying to hit 1.0 during the pandemic. The deep dives and insights into a game I've fallen in love with has been a great way to strengthen my appreciation of an incredible piece of art in the gaming space uh yes i've also watched this is danny odier's uh amazing series a friend of the show danny odier uh and uh highly recommend it very very well done and it will give you a more even more appreciation of how hard it is to make video games uh very very cool check it out on youtube no clip all right that's gonna do it for this episode of gail is that though It's a little game called Hades. You should try it. I've been trying to recommend it to you for months.
1: Andrew, can you hear him? He keeps cutting out. I don't know. (laughs) You guys. That's going to do
0: it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Andrea, Renee, and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to the folks in our chat room for hanging out with all of us live and making the show better in real time. We appreciate you. Uh, Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those bumpers that you heard. And thank you to each and every one of you who listen to the show. We appreciate you. Welcome to the next gen. We'll be here next week to continue our love fest. Until then, think about what you put out into the world.
2: Make it a better place.